You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hello and welcome. This is Caroline Kay from carolinekay.co, hostess of the Snippets of Genius podcast, business and success coach. If you're a client, show guest, weekly listener, or a friend of mine, welcome back. If you're new to the show, it's great to have you here. And I hope that this show is exactly the insight you've been needing to move the needle on your business idea. I am delighted to introduce you to today's genius guest. It's Norris Koppel. He's the founder and CEO of one of the fastest growing fintechs in the startup world, Monet's. Monet's has raised around 90 million in its latest funding push, taking its total raise to 162 million. If you want to know how to scale your business at pace, then this is the episode for you. We're going to talk people, perseverance, and prudence, because these three things are the secrets ingredients to help you push down the accelerator and really move your business forward. So this is it, guys. We're going to jump right into the action and hear from Norris the best and brilliant insights that have helped him get where he is today. I think once you fundamentally set your eyes on solving a big problem, you can't go really too wrong, right? So it really helps to 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 guide me and the team through you know tough situations or or where we have a lot of different opportunities as well. Let's not uh, let's not make a secret of it out of it. So every single day. There are many opportunities that come to me, to the team, and look at that thing. We could do this. We could do that. Oh, this is going to do, you know, this is going to be so fantastic new feature, or this is going to bring us so much revenue. We should go to that market because it's a new and shiny thing and so on. So uh, I think <laughs> these opportunities. Is syndrome coming in? Do you get the shiny thing? Like, oh, what uh, about this? What about yeah, that? Does, yeah. it, does it happen? <laughs> Absolutely. But but when you once you have uh, set your mind up that we this business is fundamentally doing, it's focused on doing this thing. It's fundamentally focusing on enabling access and basically improving things for uh, people. Then you have to then start questioning everything. So new opportunity comes in. Does it fundamentally click with what we're all about, with our mission? Is it morally right thing to do? Because not all opportunities that are possibly revenue generating or uh, bling bling, not all of them are actually morally the right thing to do. So so basically ignoring the noise and opportunities where they don't click, I think it's it's really important, but it always helps to stay focused on, on the on the mission. So tell us something unbelievable that's happened on your journey. So it's actually funny and uh, quite tragic at the same time. And, uh, you know, mo- maybe many people don't agree with what I'm going to say, but basically... From my perspective, the mind-blowing and tragic thing at the same time is how intelligent people, educated people, master's degrees, PhDs, all these people, they just sometimes fail to see the most obvious things that are staring at their face. Even if people like me pointed out, you know, look at that thing there. No, can't see it. So that is mind blowing to me that people are just basically. Uh, sometimes you you see also that they are kind of over educated or they are um, 
they have educated themselves within certain uh, rule set. So something that exists outside this rule set doesn't exist for them. And it's very difficult to point out that uh, there are things outside their box. And that is fascinating to me. It's just how intelligent people just can't grasp the simplest things sometimes or don't see outside their rule set, basically. It's fascinating and tragic at the same time. Oh, no, I hear you on that. <laughs> Have you sort of come across those people as you've been expanding your team and building your business? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's a, I, I'm very blessed to, to have met so many people who change the world, entrepreneurs, you know, people who lead the world in terms of, you know, ministers, presidents and so on. And, and when, I, when I look out uh, for new team members, my own leadership team members and so on, I'm looking at, apart from, you know, smartness and, and uh, all these fantastic things, I always look at uh, certain ingredients as well, which is, do you fundamentally believe that you can you can have a positive impact on the world? Do you fundamentally believe that your efforts are changing something in a positive direction? Do you have overall, do you have a kind of a, the mindset that you can overcome any obstacles? And do you fundamentally believe uh, that outside the box, there must, there could be something out there? And so I, I do definitely, when I interview new people, I always try to uh, identify those little sparks in there. And and also that doesn't mean that if the spark exists that it's always present. So it's it's a constant sort of a day in and day out. Find that spark in that those people in in the team and actually in my own self as well uh, because it's not like I have constant sort of a stream of uh, energy and confidence and everything. So I'm a human too, right? So I struggle sometimes seeing outside the box too. So yeah. I hope that answered your question. It did. And I love the Sparks analogy. And I think those um, key points will be shared and and echoed around so people understand just what it takes to join a thriving startup. Amazing. So tell us what's the single best thing you've done to grow your business? I think I severely underestimated how how tough it can be to build uh, number one regulated company that is regulated, you know, in uh, multiple jurisdictions in the world and also uh, doing something that is really, really novel. And so basically not giving up, I think it's the biggest thing because had I given up, I think, I don't think Moniz would exist anymore because I think this, uh, especially early on, this sort of founder energy and not giving up is incredibly important during good times, bad times, you know. So this resilience factor, I think, you can be however smart, you can be, you know, however successful in raising money and so on, but none of that matters if you if you give up on when something tough comes along. So basically being around and resilience is such an important thing that I, I, I would dare to say that it beats random flashes of genius every time. And tell us, so as you were sort of going through your raising round, tell us a bit more about how you navigated that space. When, when I started Moniz, I didn't really have the investor network to, to speak of. So basically, I started pretty much from scratch. It it's just seems quite sort of a dumb and uh, quite sort of basic. But basically, I, I had a fellow entrepreneur who put me in touch with a single investor. And that investor put me in touch with other investors. And then I created basically a, a pitch deck with a bold vision. And uh, then I went to, I think, a startup conference or, or two that I met more investors. So that's really how it all started. So it's almost unbelievable how small things like one single contact can really help you to kind of take it to the next level and so on. And there are there are certain founders who just uh, early on, they bump into this 
one all-important investor who really has the uh, deep pockets and really believes in the business. And that one investor could take the founder and the company to through multiple fundraises and really get get company to the next place. But this is this sort of a luck. This sort of a luck is quite rare at the moment. So what I've seen it again by my peer founders basically over many years is that I found that people don't get lucky normally. So it, it tends to be quite hard work actually. So again, resilience point is important. So for example, when I got from seed round to Series A. I took thousand meetings. I kid you not. I uh, I calculate. I basically looked at my calendar and I uh, counted how many investor meetings I had to take to get to Series A. It was one thousand meetings, basically. So, without wow. resilience, without resilience, you can imagine I would have given up uh, earlier, right? So. And do they tell you in the in the meeting? Sorry, it's, is it like Dragon's Den style? No, I, I'm not going to invest. Yes, I'll invest. I mean, what, what happens in those seeds? They rounds? don't. They don't normally. So, so <laughs> investors uh, have. They are uh, obviously investors. Their their mission is to invest money, right, to bring uh, returns to their uh, LPs, limited partners. So they fundamentally need to invest money in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. So they are taking a lot of meetings. They are taking looking at lo- lots of opportunities, but. But they don't really want to decline any opportunities because they they want to be basically in the loop as as long as it possibly as as long as they possibly can without commitment. When you really push them, then they only then they tell you no with a very long delay. So you kind of never know where you stand. So you need to really push hard for a quick answer because quick answers are typically not there. Uh, you you need uh, you need to assume when you enter every meeting, basically, that it's not going to convert. So there is always wow. the next one, always the next one, always the next one. And when you do have the winner, when the ones want to invest, is that quick or is that still quite a slow burn? I'm, uh, I'm very sad to say it's still very slow. <laughs> uh, again, there are exceptions, right? I mean, I've, I've heard, I've heard uh, deals that get done in a few days or weeks, but... Uh, Personally, I've never seen it uh, uh, up close, right? So even when somebody or multiple, or let's say somebody, an investor, you shake a hand and there is a deal, then there is a, typically a due diligence and due diligence can take multiple months right now. So it's it's a legal due diligence, a compliance. And in many ways, uh, as the business grows, let's say your early stage, then due diligence can be actually quite light because there is no legacy, there is no history, nothing, right? So there is no documentation yeah. to speak of. But as the company gets more mature, there is abundance of you know potential skeletons that a company may have. So investors need to obviously uh, do more work, and the due diligence process itself can take a few months and you know hundreds of thousands of pounds to 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 complete. You know, so it doesn't really it doesn't really uh, get any easier. <laughs> and the, <laughs> and the further you go, and more mature the business becomes. There are good and bad again. So good thing is that uh, you have more traction, you have more track record. So investors can look at, okay, yeah, these guys have been doing a good job for a number of years. And look, they have fantastic other investors already on board. So that's a great, great uh, bonus. So basically, ultimately, at later stage, everything becomes about numbers, right? Have you delivered your numbers? Are you delivering your numbers or not? If you are, then that's absolutely incredible. But at the same time, the level of complexity and uh, as you as a company matures, it gets bigger and the expectations are higher and higher and higher. So, you know, but the bar keeps, you know, it's being <laughs> raised every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
God. Oh, so is there a silver lining here? <laughs> yes, you've got to have that resilience. Get through that thousand meetings. What was it that helped you get to that final yes? Uh, again, resilience, number one, is that, uh, because if you get a couple of no's initially, I mean, if you're doing this first time, like getting first couple of no's can be actually really, really have devastating effects, right? So you keep hearing no's and you think that uh, maybe what I'm doing is like, you know, why am I the only one seeing any value in it? Why why are they not seeing the value? So you may start questioning your own sanity and uh, it can be quite sort of depressing if nobody's willing to support you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you just have to understand that this is the nature of the game. You know, you're not going to close, you're not going to close uh, day one. Uh, there is, uh, you put uh, uh, your energy behind it. And uh, what I've found where I, when I also draw energy is that when you, the more meetings you do like this, the more you actually polish your pitch uh, the more confident you become. And in many ways also you care less emotionally and then you just basically approach it like like what it is. It's a game. So you approach it as a game, you became a ga- you become a game master, basically. And then you you know what moves investors. Uh, basically yeah, basically you are you're gonna be then able to read investors like an open book pretty much. Especially if if you have done your homework. You know exactly uh, what drives that investor, that company, that fund? How do they pick their investments? So what kind of a thesis they have? Do, are they fundamentally trying to, are they going after big mission, uh, big vision and impact? Or do they want to make a quick buck? So if you know all this stuff in advance, then you can position your, your pitch accordingly, you know, and then it's actually quite sort of a satisfying this game, especially if we win. <laughs> <laughs> as a strategic game of chess it's become 100% know all the players yeah. on the board and know how you're going to make your attack that's amazing well um I suppose that really leads me nicely on to sort of if you ever felt that you've left money on the table you've missed an opportunity so it is important to uh, stay focused on what you're trying to achieve because there's just simply too many opportunities. So you have to say no a lot, basically, and leave the money on the table. So it's not always a bad thing, actually, because it's more difficult to stay on course and do less. That's actually yeah. more challenging. It's it's more difficult than to do more and basically blow up because you just can't handle it, basically. Oh, interesting. And so if you're doing the idea of that classic knowing when to say no and knowing when it fits your mission and your vision and but also making sure that like you say you're not taking on too much that makes your whole business implode because you just can't take it so how do you navigate that you know grow at a pace that you can sustain and manage while still taking a risk and being bold because this is like the the juggle that you've got so rule number one is as a as a ceo is never run out of money that's rule number one that's a hard rule you run out of money you're dead so you can't rule out uh, run out of money so when when opportunity comes to you you have to question number one does it uh, fit with my north or is it closer to south star so if it's north star tick okay we look at it then uh, what would it do this opportunity will it fundamentally get us closer to hitting whatever numbers you need to hit that year Will it boost the team's confidence? What will it do? Will it just a bling-bling thing that uh, makes you feel good but doesn't ultimately do anything? We have done many of those, you know. (laughs) We have released product features that made us uh, feel good and look good, but there was no revenue in it, no money in it. So, you know, in the world of scarce resources, 
you got to constantly pick your pick your fights basically and i think right now i'm more confident than ever before that uh, we have now learned to be basically uh, more prudent and basically really really questioning and analyzing every single opportunity that comes to us whether it's the right thing to do does it uh, fit with our mission does it move a needle from numbers perspective as well and perhaps above all before numbers you're going to look at your customers i mean will it actually genuinely give them anything that uh, do they actually want it, basically? Is, is it going to add any value? <laughs> uh, because there are, believe it or not, but there are many things that really, really give you revenue, but the customers don't actually benefit massively. So customer experience uh, doesn't benefit from it. Customers don't benefit from it. So, so it needs to be you know, quite picky. Yeah, and it must be tough when there's those things that excite you and give you lots of energy in the team because it's something quite bling and quite fun. But yeah, do do put that litmus test of does the customer actually want it? So tell us a little bit about right now. What are the three challenges you're facing? Uh, I think right now hiring is it, it's definitely the must number one in my in my agenda right now. How do you uh, not just hire people, but how do you hire really good people fast enough? Uh, because uh, our business is growing, there is a fierce competition globally right now. It's a great year of resignation, basically, as I say, right? So 2022. Mm-hmm. So people are they are used to from working from home, for example. So they have plenty plenty of opportunities. So this is where your mission again kicks in. Is that if you have a mission? And then the, your potential candidate has multiple options to choose from. People more than ever are looking at opportunities from the kind of a value system perspective, right? Does it click with their values? Does a company that they are uh, aiming to join, does a company do stuff that actually <clears throat> makes something better in the world, you know? People are more from that perspective than ever before. So this is where we actually excel fantastically because we have a clear mission. We are genuinely trying to make things better, not just cheaper and the other, the other, but we're actually fundamentally trying to improve stuff. So this is that helps a lot, but it's still uh, very challenging to get good people, great people, A players through the through the gates fast enough. So it's it's a challenge. Another one is uh, perhaps clarity. So as a business grows, I mean, when you have a team of five, ten, fifty people. You don't need stuff. You don't need to even write stuff down properly. You can just communicate things at you know town hall or whatever. Uh, but as uh, the company grows, having having a crystal clear plan on how basically what you're trying to do, what is going to deliver, and who's who's going to deliver stuff, so everybody knows their role in the grand scheme of things, basically. So having that clarity, and so they every person in the organization knows that is something that's currently i'm i'm really really focusing on and it's 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 been a challenge every single day throughout the years but right now i'm fund- literally i'm t- today this week this is my top priority and lastly communication so once you've got clarity how do you communicate with your your customers your investors basically the world how do you make sure that all communication is sort of in sync so nobody goes off pissed so it's a coordinated effort making sure that everybody knows what you stand for, where you're, where you're going, basically, and you have to actually, in this in this world of massive noise, you know, being visible uh, to the outside world, it, it it it's not random, it's not accidental, it's it requires again effort, coordinated work, and so on. So that's so these are key things. So hiring, clarity, and communication. Yeah, they they are big three, <clears throat> and I think has there been any sort of 
learnings that you can share just against on those three things that you're tackling right now? I mean, it sounds as though, I mean, finding the A players, it's everyone's goal, right? Everybody wants to have the best people in their team that think outside the box, like we talked about earlier. Have you found yeah. anything that, that works to attract those people to you? Is it about going back to the final one of communication? Is it about how you're getting out there and communicating your mission and your business? Or is there something else? Yeah, to be honest, I mean, it's not one thing that you do and then you are done. So yeah. it's it actually requires, <laughs> <If only. laughs> uh, again, <laughs> resilience and hard work because, number one, you, you kind of need to have the vision, the mission that initially draws in uh, really high quality people. Then you've got to keep, keep them around, basically, not disappoint them, pay them a fair salary, give them stake in your business and you keep them around and, and then they are going to attract more people that are also A players. So basically, the stronger your foundational team is, the bigger your mission is and better your mission is, that's going to draw in. And and sad to say that this is not the one day do and, uh, you know, it's done sort of a thing. It's, it's just uh, it's just constant work. So, But yeah, communication is important. So you may have the best mission and the best team in the world, but if nobody knows about it, then you kind of you're not gonna you're gonna maximize uh, the what you can uh, maximize. So communication. So you as an organization, you, you have to basically spark that that confidence. You've got to talk about how fantastic your team is and how you're kind of nailing it and so on. So communication then. So so you can get that talent if they're aware of you basically. And this is where, the, and they're gonna then choose the companies that um, uh, clicks with their value system. And also where they see there are other top performers in that business who they want to learn from and, and work with. Mm. Yeah, having people to aspire to and mentor you mm. and help you feel like you're constantly yeah. growing, that's the reason people stay. That's a really yeah. good one. Amazing. What's one thing that's really exciting you right now? When I look at it from from the perspective of Moniz, the business, I think right now 2022 is going to be a, a massive year of uh, growth uh, for us and new opportunities. We've done Series C recently. Uh, we have raised basically a significant amount of money right now, so we can really start pressing the growth pedal down, which we which we are now doing. So uh, this funding also enables me to hire all this top talent that I've been talking about and and really really grow the business. So. And it's it's very fascinating because and uh, and exciting because during COVID we were kind of in a low risk uh, mindset, and we strengthened our team, we strengthened our technology and everything else, and and also unit economics and uh, sort of a fundamental financial uh, principles. We really strengthened those, and now it's time with this new funding is really a time to 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 go again to start the growth, basically push it all the way down so that's a very exciting uh, for me and 2022 is is going to be one of the best years we have ever had i can feel it in my oh, uh, I got in my feel gut. i'm yeah. getting tingles <laughs> so w- <laughs> when you say you're going to do this big growth and you're expanding your team how big how big are you going to scale up your team have you got numbers that you're hitting on that front yeah as a team growth is actually something that we're trying to be quite conservative about so we've got uh, around 300 people at the moment and i think where 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 we're trying to scale is uh customer base revenues and then some new products as well on the team side we're trying to constantly optimize 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 so we're trying to be smart about it basically so not not putting too much uh, too many people on 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 simple jobs where things can be automated and so on. So on a headcount basis, we we're not actually trying to massively increase, but uh, grow smarter, higher, more A players. Because it's quite fascinating how one 
really high quality engineer, for example, can output more good quality stuff than 10 low quality engineers. It's just fascinating. It's just, it's just, it's just absolutely crazy. So identifying these great people who can do more smart work, basically, and output, uh, the quality of output uh, and the amount of output, basically, is also, it's, it's better. So that's, that's a thing here. Oh, I love that. It's a fantastic answer. And if you had to say, if there was one thing that is a key to success, I think I already know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What would you say is the key to success? Uh, it's never giving up, really. And second is is building building the team. So it's all there there is to it. Because once, once you, for example, are in a mindset that you don't give up easily, basically, then nothing can stop you. Because with resilience, you can... You know how the the analogy where a drop of water can uh, can break a stone, you know, over millions of years, you know. So yeah. uh, if you don't go, if you don't give up, if you don't give up, you have. A if much, you can live long enough. <laughs> yeah, yes. Then you have basically a much higher chances of success if you just simply don't give up and you just keep doing stuff. Uh, not in an idiotic way, obviously, but you know, being smart about it. But fundamentally, not yeah. giving up. And second is a team. Uh, you got team. They can. You know, get uh, get awesome stuff done. You then got investors. Uh, the whole world will be, you know, looking at you. And so it's just two two ingredients really. And everything else is uh, is is helpful, but fundamentally, you can't do stuff without people. And there must be, you know, you you, you must be prepared to do this for for a while. You know, resilience. Well, guys, you've all heard it here first. It's all about staying the course, focusing on that north star, and building your A team. Thank you so much for joining us today, Norris. The Snippets of Genius has been wonderful. So many takeaways for our listeners. And I can't wait to catch up with you again because I'm sure much bigger things are going to come with your energy for this year. Thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you, Caroline. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And that's a wrap. I hope that you found that burst of inspiration and motivation you need to start building the business you love. Do check out every episode's show notes for links to these fabulous companies these superstars are building. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you are invited to come and join all of us from this series over on LinkedIn in the Snippets of Genius community. And finally, if you haven't already subscribed, get on over to your preferred podcast platform, search and subscribe to Snippets of Genius and get every episode sent directly to you. Thanks so much for listening. Speak to you next week. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.